This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. Craig Hoffman here. That is Logan Paulson. And uh, if you're uh, getting a chance to see any of the video clips from this podcast, yes, that is nicely dressed television style Logan Paulson. Oh, yeah. Killing me, Craig. Yeah, well. Jeez. Yeah, this is this – is, I thought you were talking about Jordan. I was like, yeah, Jordan does look pretty good, but now you're talking about me. You're just got a white tee on, man. <laughs> and yes, that is uh, former Commanders tight end Jordan Reed. Jordan, man, great to catch up. Man. I'm excited to do this. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem, man. Glad to be here. So uh, I'm curious how much you keep up with the team now. Like you're, you're retired. You had a couple of really good years in San Francisco after you left here. How much are you still watching the NFL? How much are you taking in, specifically uh, this team here in DC? I've been. Uh, I've definitely been watching, man. It's, growing up, I always was a huge fan of football and. It'll never leave. So I watch like a fan now, and I really enjoy the games and things like that. I've been keeping up with the Commanders uh, a little bit, and um, excited excited about this year. See see what they see what they can put together. Yeah, man. So you know, you said you keep up with the NFL a little bit. Do you have like a top, let's say like top three, top five guys at the tight end position, and like what do you like about what they're doing? Because in my mind, no, none of them can run routes mm-hmm. like Jordan Reed, but. Like, I just want to know what you think about those guys. Um, yeah, man. It's some real exciting new talent coming up and guys that are still doing it consistently for years, like Kelsey. Um, so I, what, what do you like I, about his game? Like what's, like, what's the thing that makes him different than everybody else, in your opinion? Um, he's very consistent. That's the, that's the key. Uh, he, he's more consistent than anybody who's been performing at a very high level for – you know, 10, 10 years now, I think. Um, yeah. So so his consistency is what sets him apart for sure. Um, and I think he just – I haven't watched him very, like, study him much, but I, from, you know, what I have saw, it looks like he's a really smart smart player and um, he knows how to exploit holes in the defense and just be in the right place at the right time. Kelsey, I think he's probably number one right now. And then um, Kittle is behind him. And mm. so, you know. Because you got to play with Kittle too, right? That guy's a trip yeah, now. Kittle's, Kittle's a beast, man. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just give, you know, the one to Kelsey because he's been doing it for, for a long time now. Mm. Um, but as far as like a complete uh, all around tight end, you know, I think George Kittle, I don't think it, there's been a guy like George Kittle um, from my understanding. I think he's, uh, you know, 
if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. So I, w- I was curious on Kittle, because um, when you were a young player, you got to learn from, uh, you know, some guys like, I don't know, Logan Paulson uh, at the position. Uh, Cooley was obviously around the team. Um, but when you got to San Francisco, you're a veteran, you're a different stage in your career, but you get to play with Kittle. W- what did you pick up from him while you were in the room with him out there under Kyle? Um, I just, man, he, he's a beast. He's a beast. His, his mental, he, he knows, you know, he knows who he is and he knows how to dominate. And his work ethic is, is what sets him up to, to do so. He, he, he works really hard. He's consistently in the weight room, consistently on his playbook and uh, he doesn't make he doesn't make many mistakes out there it's so interesting man like to piggyback on that like in for a guy with his like explosive abilities you know his ability to run and kind of be twitched up like he is a physical son Mm -hmm. of a gun and so you talk about those top those top guys right and one of the things that comes to mind is like none of them none of them compete in line the way george does like george is fired up to block your face off and that's something that I always respected about him is like, you know, Kelsey, when he came in, he was a dog in the run game. And like you said, Jordan, he's like a beast when it comes to like knowing football and yeah. running routes. But he lost a little bit of that dog. And George, I feel like, will always have that dog in him. And that's something that I, I just have so much respect for him because like you got to play the whole no, position. That's and that's something that makes him unique. That's what's yeah, like. for sure. And I was going to ask you about Waller. What do you think about Waller? Waller, he, he, uh, he looks good, man. Looks good. <laughs> Dude. I saw him down at tight end. You, bro, he's like six six, like shredded, bro. Like he looks like he could play wideout, like no doubt. And I just think like there's only like one dude on the face of the earth that looks like that man, you know. And like he he's not bad in line. He's 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 playing wide receiver basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's a beast, bro. He's nasty. I like him. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's wiry, man. He he knows how to create separation. He's got great hands. He, he makes yeah. plays after the catch. He's dynamic. He's a dynamic guy. Obviously, Logan Thomas transitioned from playing quarterback, something that you were familiar with as well, transitioning. You made it in college. Uh, He makes it after college. He never played quarterback really Mm -hmm. in the NFL. Uh, I think he might have started like practice squad or something like that, but ultimately very quickly in his NFL career, he transitions to tight end. What is it about those two positions where you've seen a lot of guys make that switch over? Obviously, you have a, a... immense amount of knowledge about offense if you're playing quarterback you need that at tight end but is that is that kind of the common thread or is there more to it than that yeah i think it's um i think there's more to it other than just understanding the offense i think you know knowing what a quarterback wants and and you know where he wants you to be at and how how to make him feel comfortable throwing the ball is uh something that's like uh uh understanding you just get from playing quarterback and then switching over to being a receiver. You just you know what that quarterback wants out of you and, and how to make him feel really good about throwing the ball. Um, so it's like, you know, subconscious things that I noticed that I was doing early on um, when I switched over to tight end after playing QB. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just it's a huge advantage coming from a quarterback to, to a receiver. Um, just you have a, a subconscious understanding of, of what that QB wants and needs. I actually remember talking about this with Randall Cobb, uh, who obviously played quarterback at Kentucky and then transferred over. Um, he was working out with, with my guy Chris Gores one summer. 
and uh, we were talking about this, that he talked about when he got into zone coverage type of situations, he understood the timing of it. And like, okay, I don't, if I'm the third guy in the progression, I don't need to be open now. I need to be open when the quarterback gets to it. Is that the kind of stuff that you're talking about? And you feel like you, you adjusted to that? Yeah, timing, zone, you know, feeling the zones, um, timing, and then scramble drill, um, trying to be on the same page there as well. For me, you know, giving them, you know, showing my chest and trying to show them, you know, a, a big frame to throw to constantly um, was something that came naturally after switching. Because, you know, it, it just, when I was throwing the ball, if a guy was squared up and I felt like he had, I could make a mistake one way or another, he he would still be able to adjust. So I always tried to, you know, bring that in as well. and something I, I, I felt like quarterbacks liked and something I liked. So I, I would just do things that I would like a receiver to do. And then, dude, one of the things that I was always impressed with, even like you mentioned, like you had a great understanding of coverages like from the jump, and it sounds like it was from your time playing quarterback. Like, did you do anything specifically to help you with that? Because I remember like, I just like, one of, one of my favorite memories of you is like us being in the meeting room and I sat in front of you. And I could hear your feet under the desk, like running the route and how you wanted to beat the coverage. <laughs> yeah, and like awesome. you were just, you were just so dialed into that. Like what, like where does that come from? And like, what did you do to kind of grow that skill set? You know, man, uh, it came from doing those little feet drills in the, in the, in the film, just <laughs> constantly, consistently trying to nail that in and make that something that just happens out there that I don't have to really think about. Um, and yeah, definitely. Reading coverage has definitely had, you know, I had a benefit of playing quarterback and translated to, to being able to read coverages from a tight end position. Sure. And then, like, you know, that's something I like. I, I do a lot of coaching now, coach high school football. One of the things I always tell people is, like, you know, you have to be able to understand what the defense is doing. Like, how much are you trying to dictate to the defense with your route? And how much are you kind of just reacting to what the defense is doing? Because you can do a lot of stuff with stems, and you were great with that double stick. Like, can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, I was always trying to um, run routes off of different routes. So I wasn't, you know, I was setting things up. I wasn't just going out there reacting to them. I was I was setting my own moves up as, as the game would go on. Um, you know, I would, I would work certain releases in the beginning and then try to get them used to that release and then, when it's, you know, in a certain position, switch it up and, and be setting them up the whole time with, with releases and stems, like you said. Um, but understand how that coverage works and, and why that setup works in that in that certain situation um, was what allowed me to do that kind of stuff. That's interesting to me to hear as someone who obviously covered most of your career. And I think back to so many of those years where Jay wanted to throw his clipboard and everything else he could get his hands on because his entire red zone and third down game plan was reliant on you being out there. And obviously you had some injuries over the course of your time. And to know that to, to kind of have that understanding and hear you talk about that is, is that kind of what made you so able to excel in third down and red zone situations when the defense was going to be locked in on you? Were you kind of waiting for those moments? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I, I enjoyed the pressure situations. Uh, it made me a better player, and, and I really enjoyed, um, you know, having an opportunity to make a play in, in, in those big big moments. Um, but definitely the game within the game is what allowed me to to, to perform well and create separation and get open on guys. I wasn't just going out there um, not not thinking about things. I had a real 
strategy in mind. You know, I would watch myself and, you know, I would, it would also just be a feel um, during, during the game as well, just feeling how I could set a guy up and, uh, and, and just trusting myself to be able to, to do my move and, and believing in the strategy. It's so it's so interesting to hear you say that because like you you obviously studied a ton and that is a big part of who you are as a player and what made you great. But also like you had one of the best skill sets for that double stick at the top of a route. And for those people that don't know what I'm talking about, it's like when you kind of jab one direction to set that up and then you stick back the other way to come across the the, the defender's face and come into space. Like how was it having that ace in the hole? at all times for you? Because, I mean, you did that better than anybody I've played with. And i played with Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and the guy that I say does that the best is Jordan Reed. Like, how was that in terms of your process? Man, um, I, I first started developing that that one-two as a young kid, mm. just playing basketball. Um, and I got really good at it, crossing guys over on the basketball court. And as soon as I started switching over to tight end, I just – I would rely on that move because it, you know, it just came natural to me on the field. And then I started to find ways to implement it differently and in different scenarios, on, on releases, on a corner route, on a slant, on a, on a speed cutout. And, um, and I was able to develop like a, like a system for, for how to use it. And I knew what type of routes I was going to use it on in, in certain situations um, versus certain leverages. And um, I really just mastered that movement. Well, I tried to master it. I, you know, I got, I didn't master it all the way because I was really good on, on, on my right side. Oh, with it. My left side wasn't as good as my right side. So I wouldn't say that I, I just completely mastered it. <laughs> but um, I, 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 you know, having to understand the when when to use it and, and how to use it timing wise is something that I was really tuned in on. Yeah, and that showed up all the time. Like I remember you doing one on ones and then getting bored with the linebackers and safeties and be like, let's go out and run run routes against the corners and you'd like crossing up like you know, like one of those Allen Iverson videos, crossing up like Josh Norman, who was one of the, like that was like Josh Norman at the peak of his powers. So obviously to say that you didn't master it fully, like I never seen anybody do it better. So you know, kudos to you, yeah, brother. Yeah, you. yeah. You get Josh out there on the right side, then you can get the right one, and then then you just make Josh look silly, I mean, and nobody's gonna left, care about the left. Left was still effective; it just wasn't as good. as Yeah, he's he's being humble, man. Like, yeah. you know, like he knows that, like, because he watches himself and he studies himself. But like, if I could run it as good as his left, man, I would have been. I would have just fallen over dead. You know, like <laughs> with that blocking and, and being able to. <laughs> You you had the double stick too, though. You you uh. Yeah, it was, but it wasn't it wasn't that smooth. It wasn't like that smooth. Like, like I, when I think of a double stick, dog, I'm like, my man Ja, he had that. Like that's what it was. I'm like, and I I, I coach young tight ends now. I go for the combine and stuff, and I got my like my Jordan Reed cut up. I'm like, this is it. If you can do this, like you're gonna be you're gonna be in the money on third down, which is where you need to make that. Like, money, if so. you if you can stretch block like how you can, man, you're gonna catch one <laughs> Yeah, I, I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Yeah, one one gets you one gets you paid more than the other. I'll tell you. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. There's there's a definitive floor <laughs> underneath you, um, Jordan. Do you have a favorite play? Like, I mean, I guess I can say even favorite route. Like when you think back to your career and like you know you show your girls like, hey, this is what Daddy used to do. Like, is there is there one that sticks out that Logan should oh, put yeah, at the top right. of his cut up? I, I got a couple plays in practice that I really loved to watch and stuff like that. And 
Mm-hmm. I don't have them because I don't have the practice film, but it's a couple of memories <laughs> of practice that I just, you know, I, I, I did the, the move perfect and it just felt great. So, yeah, to piggyback on, like, because I always think of you as, like, a dynamic choice runner, but you also ran posts. Like, your game's on the line, you know, and then you got the now route in the end zone and the goal line, which you crush people with. Yeah. If you got, like, one route, all the money's on the line, Super Bowl's on the line, what's the route that you want the coach to call for you? What's the scenario? Uh, okay, let's say it's uh, let's say it's third and five. Third and five, uh, in the red going zone. in, yeah, red zone. Red zone, third and five. Definitely the slant route, uh, now route. Yeah. yeah. From width? From width? Yeah. Yeah, from width. Yeah. In that, in that I kind of knew you going to say that. Definitely, yeah. Because yeah. it's quick. It's like I just got to beat them. If I beat them quick with just one move, I don't have to think about it too much with a choice. I beat them quick and the quarterback gives me a ball, now it's just up to me to, to catch and come down with it. So. Yeah. Did you ever wonder how de- defenses didn't figure that out? Like, I think of the Tampa game, the one, the, the you like that game, the, the what, what did Jay say? Like, it's a code red yeah. game, that game. And you yeah. had two in that game. And everybody and their brother knew it's going yeah. to 86. And yet, there you were. All of a sudden, Kirk's in the tunnel yeah. screaming, you like that. Uh, like, did you ever just go like, guys, come on. How do you not know? Yeah, yeah because, you know, what... It wasn't just a slant route by me. It was that set up by, by Jane and Sean McVay. They, the first time, it was a different formation. You know, I had a different kind of DB on me. It was a different kind of slant route. And then the second time, it was like a, a quad formation over to the left. And, you know, it was just a different look that, that we came out of, but we ran the same play for me. And I know without that planning and that um, scheme, you know, I would, it wouldn't have worked out like that. So... They had, they had, um, yeah. The scheme, the, the scheme is what really set that up to be successful. And I think that's something that's so important. Like even for fans now, the team is like that. OC does so much. Like you can have a dynamic player, but if you're not, if you're not stacking plays and giving them opportunities to to kind of give different looks, it just doesn't work. I, I got a question. This is something I've always wondered about you. Do you have a guy that you were just like? That, that gave you fits defensively because like I know I the the closest guy I remember giving you a hard time was uh was Browner the quarterback <laughs> from yeah that was the that was the closest guy that I remember was that the guy that kind of was the hardest matchup for you definitely because he had yeah. he had size and length like a safety but he, yeah. he had like you know coverage skills of a corner and he was a holding yeah. he was a holding asthma he was holding the whole time <laughs> so that game he uh, he was talking a lot of Holding and I had I had a couple of plays that game I but I I won the matchup I say because I I scored a uh, I had a yeah, right. at the end of the game I scored on him and stuff like that so it was a good battle was, he he was definitely the he was probably number one toughest guy yeah. that I had to go against and then I would say Malcolm Jenkins um, mm. their top three. And then um, Byron from Dallas was all, always. Uh, oh, uh, nice! Yeah, yeah. He's he's a big athletic yeah. dude, Connecticut guy. So obviously, uh, you got that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Browner, I feel like his career basically ended because he couldn't stop holding. Like he started on you and just never stopped. He was holding before me, dog. He he, that's what he, had. But he was a physical guy. He would hold. He would hold within that five yards. Yeah, and make it hard for you. So, 
was legal sometimes. I remember having to block him a couple times, and like he was strong, like he yeah, was like a like a linebacker, yeah. and he and he had good length, and so like people like that's why people are like. Who cares about arm length in the draft? It's because of guys like that. Like, right. he was not a fast dude, right. but he won because he had good length. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting because yeah, I remember he was always like, he never had to bite the double stick because his arms were like 34 inches long. So right. he could touch you from way far away. It was, it, it, I, I'm glad you said that because I always remember, like, I feel like he gave him a hard time, but maybe he I'm did, misremembering. Right? It was, yeah. he was not allowing him to, to touch me off the line. If I yeah. gave some space off the line, then, you know, it would be an easier route. But if I let him grab me or get a hold of me up front, it was over. So, okay, that's, this is a good question then. Because, like, obviously Browner was, was very challenging. Um, Jenkins was challenging. And the kid from Dallas was challenging. What was the different plans for those different skill sets? Because, like, I remember Jenkins being really smooth with his feet, but also a little bit of a holder. Like, did you have a different approach for each guy? I'm sure you did. Yeah, I would have to uh, – with, with Malcolm – he would he would he would bite hard on some of my moves, so I could. I was um he was just a really strong competitor. He was gonna mm. beat to the end, and he was gonna fight, you know, and, and be scrappy and catch you when you're not looking and hit you, you know what I mean, and and just play a a physical competitive, you know, sixty minute game. Right. Um, Browner he he was just really athletic. I mean, uh, um, Byron was just. Byron Jones, um, yeah, and I would have to do, I, I would have to hit him with more than one setup. So with, mm. uh, with Malcolm, I could beat him quick. Um, my first step was, I think, was a little quicker than his off the line, so I could beat him like that quick, and then he would move, go for that first move. With uh, Byron, I would have to set up like two moves for him, um, mm. and then sometimes another move at the top of the route to create separation on him, and then with uh, with uh, Broner, it was just we played him one time, and you know, I, you know, after a while, that that whole game they were calling stick routes for me. Um, yeah, they were calling a lot of stick routes, and and he was waiting on it. I remember one time we got to the to the red zone towards the end of the game, and I told Coach McVeigh, I was like, Coach, I'm going to looky now. We've been which is a which time. is a like a quick slant basically for those who put, don't know. Put me in the same position as we've been running that stick the whole game, and now let me run a look, let me let me run a looky. He was like, all right, called a looky, and it, it was perfect, and he wasn't expecting it. So it had to be a mental. It was a mental challenge versus um, mm. versus uh, what's his name? Browner. Browner. Yeah, Browner. it's a weird. Yeah, Brandon Browner. Yeah, the alliteration there. Higher than me, yeah. Browners. <laughs> that's all it was just the letter b that's yeah. that's that was the challenge yeah. uh J- jay let's wrap with this um this offense should if people stay healthy for the commanders this year look a lot different obviously carson brings the arm talent and a lot more skill with all due respect to taylor brings a lot more skill to the quarterback position brings the experience that he's had at the quarterback position if curtis stays healthy brings a dynamic kind of versatile player in, the, in many of the same places they used to use you moving moving that guy around the, the backs look good tight ends what do you think of this offense this year for the Commanders, and, and what do you expect from them? Man, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think they got guys at you know every position that can make you know plays in the clutch and, and be out there. So, like you said, man, it's a it's a matter of staying healthy, staying on that field. And uh, I got a good feeling about it. I got a good feeling about this year. I like you know I like the new swag and the, and the new look and stuff like that. So um, I think they're going to come out real he- he- um, focused and, and hungry. 
this is a little bit of an aside, but Jay, I got to bring you some tape of Jahan, man, because he is running. You know, you said you got to stack routes. Yeah. This man, even in OTAs, like he's a rookie, but stacking routes like uh, like a young Jordan Reed here, which is pretty exciting. So I have to I have to bring some by and we can talk about it. Yeah, that would be dope, man. Dope. <laughs> well, uh, I look forward to hearing the reports from your your film <laughs> session uh, here on the podcast, Jordan. This was great. Um, I, I hope that people got out of this what I knew when I was covering you, which is that for as physically gifted as you were, there was so much more to your game. So appreciate you coming on the podcast, and we'll definitely do it again, man. No doubt, man. Appreciate you guys having me. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Thanks again to Jordan Reed for joining us. That was great. Uh, Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. You can, of course, follow along with us on social media at Logan underscore Paulson 82 on Instagram for Logan. I'm on Twitter at Hoffman Show. All right, uh, Logan, we we actually solicited questions on Monday for a Mailbag Monday, and then we talked about the stuff that we want to talk about with John Kime long enough that we didn't have time for the Mailbag. So yeah. here's Mailbag Monday on a Thursday. Uh, well, basically John, what John's we're excellent, do. an excellent guest because he can talk about all the things, so that's good. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, not mad about it at all. Just uh, now we got some extra mailbag questions, and so <laughs> figure we might as well get to them. Uh, let's start actually with one that, that John and, and Tailgate Ted, longtime fan of the team, had back and forth uh, on Twitter. 
in response to my request for questions, which is training camp has moved back to Ashburn this year. And a lot of fans are upset because they went to training camp in Richmond and really enjoyed the open practices. And while there is the open practice in Ash or sorry, at FedEx field, it's not the same as getting to go to a real true training camp practice. Now, of course, that is just one element of having training camp at a remote. So uh, Ted asked, does Logan think going away to training camp is overrated or was building that rapport with your teammates important? And so I'm going to add on to that question and and kind of say, like, there's a fan experience and then there's the team experience, right? Coaches around the league are doing more training camps at their home facilities. The NFL just put out a stat yesterday. I think it's 81% of, of teams are staying at home. And that, of course, means less fan attendance because they're designed as practice facilities, not as open training camp facilities. So what's the experience of going away for training camp from purely the team side of it if you were a coach or your experience as a player? And we can tackle the fan thing in a second. Yeah, so let's let's start with my time in Richmond because everyone seems to probably have uh, the most familiarity with that. And what I'll say about Richmond, Richmond is a, was a great city. It was a great time, uh, you know, great hotel down there at the Omni. There's a lot of cool restaurants and stuff around the hotel, which is always great to go to. But I, it is it is stressful. Training camp by in and of itself is stressful. You're away from your family for a long stretch. You're kind of starting the season where you kind of go into this long work week you know, 60, 80 hour work week type situation. And, um, and it's less than ideal in terms of getting to the practice field because everything you do as a football team, most of it, you need a football field for, you can do some walkthroughs in the hotel, but let's just take, you know, our time at Richmond, for example, you'd get up in the morning, you do breakfast in the hotel, which again, it's a catered meal, it's good food, but it's, it's kind of, it's got a repetitive nature to it, which kind of adds to the mental fatigue of training camp. Then you go to meetings in the kind of the, these meeting rooms that aren't your meeting rooms. They're not your homes. They're not your seats, right? That you're used to sitting in. A little different. Then you have to get in a bus and you drive over to the facility. You do your walkthrough. Then you have to get in that same bus and drive back. And it took about 15 minutes to and from. So 30 minutes of your day just in the morning was accounted for in a bus. And then the same thing happens for your afternoon practice. 30 you know, 30, again, 30 aggregate minutes. So in training camp, one of the biggest things that I had to focus on was recovery, right? So that's an hour of nap time that I would miss because I'm in a bus, right? And it's not like these buses are air conditioned and you're bouncing around and you got to kind of review your stuff from the day. Some guys got ice on them and it's just, it's just a less than ideal situation ferrying to and from the hotel. I think it adds a level of mental stress. I mean, one of the things that stuck out to me was just on my off day, it wasn't an off day because it's not like I was going to drive three hours and go see my family, then drive right back that same night. I would do that if I was really kind of feeling homesick or burned out or whatever, but it just, it made it tough for the guys to do that. It's the same thing. And it, does it force you to kind of work in and integrate with your teammates? Yes, but you get the same thing when you're at Ashburn. Because I did both. My rookie year was at Ashburn with Mike. And I think it was like my second or third year we went down to Richmond. And same thing with Atlanta. They, they kind of do an in-house training camp. But it's everyone lives around the facility. It's, not like, it's at the practice facility. They have housing at their facility for training camp specifically. And so um, obviously, like that's easy. You just pop in. You sleep in your dorm. When training camp's done, it's like you just your your house is right down the street. So it wasn't like this big, really far away thing. And I understand the benefit of it, and I understand why people like it. But me as a player, I always prefer being a little closer to home. You know, in Ashburn, you stay in a hotel. 
But on my off day, it becomes an actual off day. I can go home, sleep in my bed, see my family, see my wife and kids, and come back. And it's a little bit more, it's easier to decompress from that. Yeah, and I mean, we used to always joke that if there was an off day the next day, that smell that you you heard was the tires burning on the freeway back yeah. up in 95. Um, you know, and to because guys would go home. Guys would go home to their families. They wanted to go home and, and just sleep in their own beds, get away from it for a second. And Richmond, and, and it, you know, from a, my experience as a reporter, because all the training camps I covered were in Richmond, like, I loved it. But I was also a 26, 27, 28-year-old single guy with nothing else to do. It wasn't like I had family. It was a nice escape in the middle of the summer. Richmond's an awesome city. Um, I had, you know, Chris Gorez, one of my best friends, is down there. So, like, I would see him and get to work out at his gym and his facility. Like, it was a nice mix-up where I had yeah. a nice schedule. But I w- I'm not a player. What I thought didn't matter. And I, and I only mentioned that stuff to say my experience was probably a lot more what fans wanted. Right? right. Fans want that experience to be able to go down, maybe get a weekend getaway, take in a practice. And I also understand it from a football standpoint. Like, the open practice you see in FedEx Field is designed to be kind of a showcase. It's not really... Right. A real football practice and I think fans appreciate that peeling back of the curtain to see and I always appreciate it as a reporter by the way because we don't get to see that stuff during the year right. like the second camp broke in Ashburn there was a couple days typically that we got to see full practice in Ashburn that camp broke in Richmond there would be a continuance of training camp in Ashburn but it was closed off to the public and we only had like one or two days maybe of getting to see full practice hmm. and then it was like regular season mode and we got to see essentially stretching and then that's it. <laughs> and that's because the coaches are starting to install stuff. That's going to be out there on game day. They don't want the press out there and that's fine. And some coaches, by the way, do allow more press to practice. And there's, there's kind of a, an agreement. I feel like that doesn't happen as much anymore. It used to be pretty common. Coaches get burned. They're like, no, especially now with social media being what it is and all that kind yeah. of stuff. There's, there's more places to put out information that they don't want out. So they, they've locked that down. And I, I get that. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, coaches are trying to win games. And while I understand from a marketing standpoint, marketing probably wants as much openness and transparency as possible, there is something to the secretive nature of football. Do I think sometimes coaches and players go way overboard with that stuff? Yeah. Like, with the film's out there. What are, you, like, yeah. what are we doing? But there is a risk of getting too, letting too much out there. Um, you know, there has been situations in the past where, like, scouts or you know whatever like go as fans to another team's training camp and watch like that stuff has happened um you know under, yeah, under the table and so, it's probably more common than people think actually right and so like long long-winded way to say i get why fans are frustrated but at the end of the day ron's job is to try to win football games there's no doubt they're the best way to do that and the best thing for the players to the extent that you described is to have training camp in ashburn and mm-hmm. while maybe there is a way to open up more of or a couple of extra practices and allow fans to come for more stuff in Ashburn. It's not worth going down to Richmond for a couple of days and packing. Because the other thing too is, yeah, like Chad had to pack up the weight room. Like you have to pack I, up that, the weight room, the equipment room, the training staff. Like it's right. It, people don't understand. Like I would come back a week early and go into the weight room. They've basically packed not everything up, but. <clears throat> A lot of that stuff up the training room. Like they, they're bringing cold tubs. They're bringing ice machines. It's like moving. Teams an don't army have down duplicates there. of this stuff, and it's yeah. not like Richmond stays stays set and ready for the Commanders all year long. Like no, they had to literally pack up the entire weight room in Ashburn and bring it yeah. down there. And like you said, all the other stuff, and sleds. Like, like you pack up a football team. And then to be, to be fair to the process of, of going away, there is some merit to that. In that 
training camp, you, you now have like a very clear delineation. When you don't have, when you're not going someplace for training camp, it, it becomes kind of a like Groundhog Day starting when training camp starts. Because really, training camp structurally from the day is not that much different from actually like practicing, coming to the facility. The, the times are a little different. You can sleep at home, but really you're in about the same time. You leave about the same time. And so a lot of, like, I remember Kyle used to say he used to love training camp away because it was like training camp is done, and it kind of gave him a marker, a mental marker to say, okay, now we're getting into season, now we're into preseason, as opposed to when you do it at your facility. It's like, okay, training camp finished last week, but we're still practicing basically double days, and we have a preseason game coming up. And, like, it, nothing changed. It's just the same schedule, right. the same thing. So there is some merit to that from a player standpoint. And I totally understand the fan thing. Like, I used to love seeing the fans on there. It added a little bit of spice to practice, a little bit of energy, which I always enjoyed. A little variety, you know, interact with them, sign some autographs, say what's up. And that's always nice. But to me, like, that brief interaction with the fans, it just wasn't worth, like, the the, the labor of, of, you know, bussing here, bussing there the security around the hotel, like it just, it's a lot going on down there uh, for the players. And um, it just, it wasn't worth it for, for me. Yeah, no. I, and the one thing I don't know that fans fully appreciate, I know I didn't fully appreciate this until one living it on the reporter side and two talking about it extensively with Lorenzo is training camp is so long that week two, week three is actually kind of the midpoint of the season. Like, yeah. by the time you get in, well, maybe not week two, week three, week four, week five. Like, by the time you're into October, you've got two months to go, yeah. and you've been there for two months. Like, yeah. it's not week eight, week nine, week ten. That's middle of the season. Because training camp is, is almost six weeks long, yeah. you know, late July into early September. Like, it's it that mental break of breaking camp. Yeah. And also, there, there's the, the stark contrast of roster size too when you get down to cuts yeah. which i know have changed over the years but back when you were playing and when i was covering and you went from what was it 90 to 72 and then ultimately to 53 that first day of practice with 20 guys gone and then another 20 guys when you finally get out there for the regular season that field starts to look real small and real empty and so there's there are these mental points along the way that there is definitely merit it's not clean cut you definitely should or shouldn't go away or not to training camp yeah. But I do think it is worth pointing out that the for all the reasons you said, when you start to do the aggregate, it, it becomes pretty clear that what's easiest for the players and the staff and, and the people whose jobs are actually on the line is yeah. is pretty clear cut to stay and not go away, uh, especially the way that this team has in the past to Richmond. Like even like thinking about Mike, you know, like they have to build like basically build him out an office office down in Richmond somewhere in the hotel. And so think about Ron. Ron has his office set up. He has his his film, his computer. Everything's set the way he wants it, and they have to bring all that stuff down there, set him up in a place where he's not comfortable. It Again, like I understand the merit. I understand the fans, and like I think that's great, but it just is a lot, and I don't think this, the, the juice is worth the squeeze necessarily financially for the organization because I remember the security setup even was absolutely insane. Getting in and out of the hotel, everyone's got to get checked in. It was like... You know, because there's fans everywhere, and like that's like you're you're basically employing a small town for three weeks while you're down there. You know, a month, and that that can be a lot for the organization. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Greg Hoffman, Logan Paulson. All right, let's hit a few more questions real quick. We'll move a little faster through these. I love this question. Uh, references to guys that I covered, like Mac Brown, who was awesome in the preseason and, and never quite caught on in the league. Um, I'm actually going to officially call this, or unofficially, whichever, whatever the power it is that I hold to name things, the Rashad Ross Award. Uh, Rashad was a great uh, speed threat Scored a bunch of touchdowns in the preseason. Never could quite crack the field in the regular season. Who is the Rashad Ross Award nominees for you as you've watched this club? Somebody you think could really flash. It doesn't mean they couldn't be good in the future. But someone who really flashed uh, in in the spring that you think is going to flash in camp, maybe score or make some big plays in, in preseason, but ultimately probably is going to be a special teamer during the regular season. I kind of feel like I need to look at the roster now for this, but but usually, kind of my my rule my rule for preseason preseason All Americans, we'll call it the Rashad Wash mm-hmm. Ross specialist, is running backs tend to be very high in this list because as the game goes on, coaches want to run the football a little bit more, so it would never be Gibson McKissick or um, of course you know Robinson. It would be one of those three other younger kind of newer guys to the roster that is going to be running behind probably the second offensive line for some of the game against the threes for the other team they're going to get a lot of touches especially in that third game mac brown you mentioned i remember um lake uh lake luke sea trunk sea trunks what was that guy's name oh lake sea trunk yeah that's yeah a great and again pull. like again huge explosive because you get a guy who's a little bit athletically better than the rest of the guys he's going against and has this explosive playmaking ability so one of those guys uh might shine out in a really nice way um receiver wise you got your five guys that you feel really good about and then there's a couple guys uh what the heck is his name number 19 is his number he's uh, got mark some and michael yeah, Mark and Michael's got some speed, and he's going to be playing in the later half of the game. A guy that I think really should be maybe up for this award is uh, Kelly. Um, I know we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but he's a guy that's looked pretty solid during the OTA period, and he hasn't played a ton, but he's got a cannon for an arm, and he understands how to read defenses, and I think fans are going to be like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing because he's going to look like a full-grown man playing with a bunch of high school kids, and that's going to be always fun to see. Um, you know, he'll get a lot of burn. He'll play a ton in the preseason game. It'll be a simple. It'll it'll be a simplified offense, a truncated offense. So that's an interesting one. Defensively, um, who else? I feel like safety Undefe- sometimes. Like the guy that I that yeah. stands out to me is someone who used to be like this was DeShazer because DeShazer is yeah. what I like to call a four A player. Like that's a baseball term that they use to talk about a guy who is going to always crush AAA, but he's not quite yeah. a major leaguer. And like yeah. that was DeShazer at safety. DeShazer, if he had to play safety in a real NFL game, like. He wasn't going to excel, but you weren't dead in the water. He was a 4A yeah. player. And so yeah. all of a sudden, he's out there with third stringers in the preseason, and he's killing he everybody. Yeah. He looked like and an so, all-star. So Jeremy Reeves could be that guy in, in the literal DeShazer Everett role. 
I was actually going to say him. So that's great. Great minds think alike. Because, again, he's played a lot of football. He's physical. He's going to show out. I think even like Forrest and Percy, are they're going to play. They're going to make the team, right? But if they're in a situation where they're playing an actual safety, Kaleek Hudson's a guy that I always love in the preseason because he ends up with like 10 tackles in a game because he's played football in the NFL and he's playing kind of the third rotational guy for the, for this for this team. So that's interesting. Uh, usually defensive ends, like I remember uh, Marcus White, a couple of years ago, you know, you get a bad tackle in a preseason game, you'll end up with like three or four sacks. Um, you know, so James Radley King or um, the kid from Penn State. Shaka uh, Tony. Shaka Tony, right? Because Shaka Tony probably more likely because he's got the pass rushing juice. But these guys that are very fringe roster guys that have played a little bit in the league are deadly in this time of year in terms of uh, cultivating this award, and especially if they've got some type of, of, of elite trait so like you mentioned Rashad great example uh, I mentioned Sea uh, Trunks what's his name Sea Trunk yeah Sea Trunk both those guys were 4-2 guys and so of course you put them in the preseason game and no one on the in that third string group has seen anything like that all training camp and all of a sudden you've got these new angles created by these guys who run 4-2s so anybody like that is always really exciting to um, to watch you know what I mean in, in that in that context uh, well, let's skip ahead one question. We'll come back to our, our, we'll wrap with our favorite position battle going into camp. But since you mentioned how, uh, or so you mentioned Cole Kelly, uh, we have had three quarterbacks play here the last couple of years. And yeah. so, uh, one tweet that came in was saying, you know, Hey, since we've had three quarterbacks, how do Howell and Cole Kelly look obviously not ready to play NFL football, but how have they looked throughout the spring? And what are you, what are you looking for from them in training camp? So... Let's start with let's start with Cole Kelly because there's less to talk about. So Cole Kelly, I actually liked him a lot coming out of college, and I thought he would be an excellent fit. Kind of a guy with who with some tools, with some athleticism, size, a little bit of moxie to his game that could grow into maybe a high end backup, low end starter in the right situation. So when he's practiced. He's done a really nice job. You see the arm strength. You see his ability to read defenses. He's got some athleticism. Got a little playmaker to him. But he's I'd say he's probably gotten, through all OTAs and minicamp, maybe 50 reps. So not a lot. You know, a couple periods here and there. He's not practicing every day. You know, sometimes he'll get a burn in two minutes. But it's really been Howell who's getting all the third string reps. And Howell, I'd say, for the first three days of practice, looked very, very sharp. And then kind of fell into that rookie mold a little bit, right? He's de- he's not ready to play either. Like everyone wants him. Oh, is Carson wants this. Carson wants that. Is he better than Heineke? I was kind of asking some of those questions, but after you see him, he's got a lot of growing to do. He does have some talent. He's got some. He's he's much quicker and faster in person when you see him run. He's got a very live arm. Uh, I think his release is a little deliberate. Got a little bit of a Carson Wentz and accuracy issue. Not bad, but not great either. Uh, but I think you like the arm strength. You like the moxie. You like the athletic traits. The, honestly, in terms of in terms of um, you know the the Rashad Ross award for preseason, both those guys could come out and do some good things just in terms of throwing the football because they have traits. It's just about you know they're not ready to play big boy football yet. You know, they're not, they're not ready to play with the varsity and that's not an indictment of them. I think they're all, they're both going to grow. They can both become better football players, but I think Howell right now is your three. I think that's what they want, especially if you draft them in the fifth round, you're not going to be able to get them to practice squad, especially with the name that he's got. He's your yeah. three. I think Cole Kelly probably won't play a ton in the preseason because I think they probably want to float him to practice squad, which to me feels like a good move because I think he's got some some traits and some skills that make you excited about keeping him in your program. So, And especially with the expanded uh, practice squad sizes, I think that would probably be a smart move. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, last question. Let's wrap up with this. 
What is the position battle you are most interested in for training camp? Um, Craig, you probably know the answer to this. Like, I am a tight, tight end. end. Yes, yeah. I like tight ends. Yours and, is but, tight end. But, but this one is especially interesting because of Logan Thomas's injury and the talent that they've been able to bring in at the position. And so what I mean by that is they've got a guy in Cole Turner, who they dropped in the fifth round, who I think has a very unique skill set. In his, abil- in his size, in his ability to catch the football, and for a man of his height to adjust to the football in the air, very unique. So does Scott start to deploy one-on-one situation packages where you can exploit that skill set? That's something I want to see in the preseason. He looked great in OTAs. How is he with his hand in the ground? Because he didn't really do that at Nevada. He was more of a receiver. Um, uh, Curtis Hodges is a guy that, man, he was running with the twos after four days of practice and pulled his hamstring. Can he be your rotational Y? Can he get some burn at F? How is he on teams? Because right now, I, that feels like your three. You know, that honestly, if, if, if Logan starts the year on IR or PUP or something like that, it's Bates, who's your lock, uh, Cole Turner, uh, Hodges, and then you get uh, Armani Rogers, who looks like he, he's, he's a big man. He's 6'6", six, six, but he runs a 4'5". Four, a four, and if, to put that in contents, that's faster than big receivers like Devin Funches. That's faster than Can Sizz's 40. That's faster than uh, you know Calvin Benjamin, big body guys. So he's got a very unique skill set, extremely raw because he played quarterback at Ohio. But obviously that is exciting when you've got an athlete of that caliber on the roster. And those are just the rookies that you got in, right? We haven't even right. talked about Samis Reyes yet. And I, I love Samis. He's a, like a, I consider him a friend because of the time we spent together. I love his story. But he's got his work cut out for him now because those three guys showed a lot in OTAs. And now OTAs, there's no pads. You know, you don't have. It's not as physical as it's going to be in training camp, and I think the distinguishing factor after talking to people in the building is going to be that training camp time frame. And I think just to be clear, Armani's going to be a practice squad guy because he's so raw. But again, that's a nice piece to have in the bag, and he might right. he might flash some special team stuff. Talk about the Rashad Ross, you know, preseason player. The like get him some touches in space and watch that big man work. Who knows? Um, right. But again, having that those two guys in competition, those two rookies in competition for a roster spot, and Sam East on the roster still, that becomes super interesting because how do you keep? Do you keep the, the fullback kid? Because he's had a nice OTA period too, and he gives you some more flexibility in terms of teams. So yeah, there's a lot, of, yeah. lot of moving pieces there that gets me excited to watch football, especially because I think those two young guys have – you know, high ceilings. And I say that and everyone says, oh, you think they're going to be pro bowlers? Like, they're going to be solid pros maybe this year, which is an exciting proposition for a guy guy that's undrafted and a guy that you got in the fifth round. Yeah, definitely. And that special teams part of it is huge, right? That's that's a a huge part of what ultimately settles those back end of the roster things is because that's where those guys are going to play. And that's where a guy like Samis has a leg up because he was good on special teams last year. I will... I'm excited about tight end. I actually think that's probably the correct answer. Um, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Find, it feels that especially way, Especially right? as we, f- we figure out more about Logan Thomas's injury. Yeah. But speaking of injury-related position battles, who's going to start opposite of Montez Sweat if Chase Young is not ready for the regular season? Because you've yeah. got some good character – or you've got some good uh, you know, candidates there. James yeah. Williams seems like the front runner, yeah. and James is, was really, really solid last year. And now coming in, third year in the league, like what can he do? Can he show a little bit more pop? Maybe a guy like Shaka Tony has that pass rush juice. Casey Tuhill, really, really solid. Somewhere maybe skill set wise in the middle, but better than, you know, obviously Shaka in, in a lot of areas, maybe a little worse than James and some, better than others. So you've got the, this balance there of those three guys. And oh, by the way, Daniel Wise. 
played decently well, different kind of body. He's got a much bigger player than those other guys. And so could he potentially be in the mix for not only snaps, but to start opposite of Montez, first and second down kind of player. And then you have some of the other guys that have played a little bit more inside, outside. I mean, well, Bunmi Rutini, Rutimi has played a little bit as well in the league. F.A. Obata's played in the league. He's a guy that's played inside, outside some. William Bradley King, again, like, same His kind of classes, bo- yeah. Same kind of body as Casey Tuhill, big physical kind of guy, um, but not quite the Daniel Wise size. A guy who's played, you know, playing at two eighty five. So, like, that's a lot of freaking names, and not all those yeah. guys are going to make the roster. And yet, all of them, you could see a path where they wind up being the starter opposite of Montez. You know, I, I think certainly some favorite over others, James Smith Williams and, and Casey Tuhill being the the lead two in that that regard. But all those guys could certainly compete for the rotation and with Chase potentially out to start camp, nevertheless out to start the regular season, some of those guys are going to play a lot. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think I would agree with you. Right now it's probably James Smith-Williams. But again, here's another perfect example of a Richard Ross preseason All-American is Casey Tuhill. Like there's a guy who's your fourth edge rusher but played a ton of football in the league and will be playing against lesser tackles in the preseason and could up with, end up with a lot of pressures. And again, that would be fantastic. But you mentioned some of those younger guys. I think um, F.A. Obata is probably the third guy in that group. Again, played a ton of football. Scary yeah. in the preseason. I think James Smith-Williams and Shaka Tony, they do have a little bit of growing to do as players. Right, right now they seem like practice squad plus or minus. And so if they get a little bit better in, during training camp, they might make the active. But I feel like right now they're practice squad guys with a little bit of potential. You said, think, you said James Smith-Williams. You, you mean James I mean, or William Bradley uh, King? Yeah, William Bradley King. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. William okay. Bradley King. And a lot then, of uh, Yeah, yeah. And then I think, um, I think Wise right now, based on what he's done in OTAs, I think is your fourth interior player. And that's a big, that's a big ask. And he's going to play a lot of football for this team if that's the case. So once you kind of parcel them out and move them to their correct positions, I think you feel like maybe it's a little bit more clear cut, but I do agree that the bottom, you know, like that fifth edge rusher, rusher, you know, counting case Montez, chase Montez, um, James, William Brad- and, James uh, Casey. yeah, Casey. And then, so William Bradley King and Shaka Tony with FA Obata with, um, the other gentleman, like, um, Bohemi, right? Uh, Those yeah. four guys are going to yeah, kind of yeah. be in contention for that fifth rusher spot, which is a big deal because you're going to be playing a lot of football for this team, especially until Chase gets healthy. So that's that, I like that one, especially the bottom kind of after those first four. That's an interesting mix for sure. And teams can also play. That is a position mm-hmm. that you play on special teams. So um, that could that could definitely play a role. And by the way, they still could go outside of that. Not not that as many are available yeah. as, as were a month ago or two months ago, but they still could go sign a vet, and you know we'll see who's out there. All right. Well, to uh, you, well one, one quick point. Yeah. To your point, though, like after training camp, guys get cut, so that's another yeah. opportunity, right? Maybe that position gets filled by someone who's getting off the roster. Definitely. All right. Uh, thanks again to Jordan Reed for joining us. Uh, great to catch up with him, and uh, we will keep some of the interviews with some of the names that have shined in Washington over the years coming, as well as get their perspective on what is happening right now. But we're, we're almost here. Training camp starting next week. So we are excited to get going here on Take Command. We will stay twice weekly, so make sure you subscribe. Mondays and Thursdays, we will have episodes hitting your feeds fresh. Uh, with that, thanks for listening, and we'll see you Monday on Take Command.